Welcome to Startup Confidential. What food and beverage industry players will never tell you that you need to know if you're running a startup. Let's do this. Welcome to episode 37, Behavior-Based Brand Building. Look, if you don't know the behavior driving velocities off the shelf, you can't really optimize marketing, promotions, channel strategy, or honestly much of your entire 4P playbook. The consumer is not simply an advertising foil or the concern of your marketing agencies. This is something that fixed mindset sales consultants who don't learn and brokers want you to believe that you're in some kind of 3P business that the consumer either magically comes to the product or not. As I write in Ramping Your Brand, most of your revenue as a CPG brand, especially as an early stage one, is coming from a minority of your consumers. These are your frequently repeating customers, anywhere from weekly to monthly. They are not necessarily a completely unified tribe, but you can often find occupational or lifestyle groups that are highly networked who wildly over-index as fans for your thingamajig and for explainable reasons. These reasons are what I want to talk to you about in this episode. They boil down to values-driven behavioral impulses that make your brand appealing to routine use or not. Values that drive CPG brand selection and and habituation are mostly subconscious values. Things like gender socialization, class orientation, deep-seated culturally inculcated anxieties around weight, nutrition, etc. They are not what we tweet fight about online. Social media posturing relies on ideologies, consciously held moral and spiritual ideas generally aimed at some utopian future state that we're trying to get to that are very hard to enact. Hence, the need to constantly exhort everyone to do them all the time because the likelihood of attaining the future utopia remains slim. So think church. Ideologies decay quickly into hypocrisy and corruption that we also can learn from our tweet fighting. Then we're left with the actual unconscious values that no one is really discussing. Or if they are discussing it, they're only doing it by inversion. Again, chasing the utopia in which some inverted state of affairs is transpiring, except that it's not happening now. In other words, they're discussing the aspirational opposite of what our deep-seated values really are. Now, whether you like it or not, your brand will live on a continuum from lofty aspiration to totally subconscious normative values. Your symbolism, how you talk about the brand, and every touch point will largely govern where you sit on this continuum. And to some extent, the inherent attributes of your product and how they're culturally interpreted will determine where you sit on this continuum. But your marketing specifically can indeed, and your brand symbolism can nudge you around as well. Look, aspiration is a very dangerous place to anchor your brand in, especially if the loftiness of that aspiration is stratospheric. Why? Well, many of us pretend to have aspirations that we don't actually act consistently on. And in some cases, we are so deluding ourselves, we will never even attempt to fulfill said aspiration ever. Think gender equality in the workplace. We're fighting about it precisely because what is subconsciously driving behavior currently is male dominance, not gender equality in the workplace. 
Look, America is one of the most fantasy-ridden societies on Earth. We're awfully good at imagining a future utopia that has very, 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 very low likelihood of ever happening here. We also consume more media per capita than anywhere else on Earth. And we spread more conspiracy theories per capita than anywhere else on Earth. This is all a byproduct of a hyper-individualistic culture that is ideal for selling innovation. Innovation that undercuts tradition, established habits, established brands, the status quo. Knowing which values consumers are more likely to act on in your category helps you understand the values to tap into with product design and marketing, channel strategy, and a whole bunch of other things. And it allows you to ignore the ideological aspirations that only drive the behavior of very tiny niches consistently. Regenerative agriculture is a great example of a noble ideal that consumers will never seriously be able to act on in, during the weekly process of purchasing hundreds of otherwise not very interesting CPG categories. And there's no certification labeling program that's going to make that any easier or more likely to happen at scale. The second major reason you need smart behavior-based brand building is the oversupplied nature of the CPG marketplace today. So every major service or product already exists. And lots of branding agencies exist to work with the folks who are selling the Me Too. Now, I'm not suggesting that all consumers are satisfied with the services and products that are available to them right now. But here's the rub. Most consumers actually are very satisfied with most offerings in most categories. You have to understand that when you're innovating for premium CPG or in CPG in general, you're chasing areas of dissatisfaction that are tiny little bubbles. They are not mass consciously tweet and social media post fueled shitstorms. Most of these dissatisfactions are actually latent because we've learned to forget them lest we become super annoyed all the time. The businesses that are growing today in consumer packaged goods are tapping into latent, often suppressed dissatisfaction among various small subpopulations who are vocal if you can find them and you just shut up and listen. If their dissatisfaction is communicable or infectious, so to speak, it can spread to others more broadly. And part of that is symbolic communication and part of that is sensory in the world of food and beverage. The point I'm making, everyone is not your customer. But you can and should be able to find a scalable audience anyways over time because it just doesn't take that many individuals to scale a premium price CPG business to $100 million. That number may seem enormous to you now. It just doesn't take a lot of people. Fraction of the U.S. population. You want to find sources of dissatisfaction out there in the marketplace and reach those geographies physically and the subpopulations within them most likely to have the people ticked off about the problem. And just think big when you do this. Founders who chase current sources of consumer dissatisfaction, in my experience, generally wind up with something that scales a lot faster and surprises everybody. And it has to do with sort of the, uh, the latency factor of that dissatisfaction. An after-dinner munchie that isn't full of calories? Skinny pop. Helping you do righteous battle with your innermost lusts for sugary carbs. However, the dissatisfaction you intend to alleviate can't be the consumer equivalent of a PhD's dissatisfaction with a hip-shooting journalistic cover story. It can't be that geeky or elitist. And if you go to New Hope shows, you're going to see plenty of that. 
do enough homework up front to have a good behavioral hypothesis about a recurring daily dissatisfaction people have that is based on a deep-seated deep-seated values being somehow thwarted or trade-offs being forced upon consumers as they pursue their values in their shopping decisions. Swoop in to alleviate the dissatisfaction and hopefully make decent gross profits in doing so. The big danger here as you innovate in the way that I'm describing is that you geek out too much and take us all down some elitist, inscrutable rabbit hole like biodynamic agriculture in which tangible certifications quickly blur into spiritual rambling and nitpicking with no tangible near-term benefit to the consumer other than their ability to point at the certification within tiny ideological social circles. Your new approach needs to be new but not weird and present no barriers to adoption or explanation in the consumer's social life. This is how you ride the skate ramp quickly. The key is that you have to be willing to understand the scalable outcome or mix of scalable outcomes that consumers are currently using you to fulfill. In a very competitive area of the market, such as consumer packaged goods, it's often the new brand that resolves a pesky trade-off long established in the consumer's subconscious, but which they honestly have totally forgotten about unless a very smart ethno-methodological interviewer can get at it. But they will recognize it at the shelf when you've eliminated it. That's what's amazing. So get in the market, test, listen, and follow the consumer's behavior always. Remember, folks, be safe out there. Dr. Richardson's new book, Ramping Your Brand, is available now on Amazon. Please check it out and spread the word. And don't forget also to take his Founders Quiz to see if your team is ready to ride the ramp of exponential growth. You can download the quiz at rampingyourbrand.com anytime. And feel free to share your scores with Dr. Richardson anytime at james at premiumgrowthsolutions.com.